where we're going, we don't need roads, but we do need real good movies. And this week, it's Back to the Future. Next Saturday night, we're sending you back to the future. So Back to the Future. I watched this a few days ago, and I've actually been looking forward to it, like Final Destination. Uh, I actually am enjoying the movies that I have not seen, and I kind of kick myself or wonder why I haven't seen those sooner. Yeah, there's no way you cannot enjoy Back to the Future. I don't think, like, I've never spoke to a person who who didn't like Back to the Future or has something really negative to say about it or anything like that. I guess I could see people wavering on, on Final Destination. It's definitely like a what we call a popcorn movie, I guess, but a little um, niche, a little more yeah, niche. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, but yeah, back to the future. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm so, so excited to hear what you have to say about back to the future. So. Cool, cool. <laughs> uh, back to the future is basically uh, Marty McFly, a 17 year old high school student is accidentally sent 30 years into the past in a time traveling DeLorean invented by his close friend, the eccentric scientist, doc Brown. And it's, it's such a, a pop culture icon this movie mm-hmm. because I was watching this and I'm, I'm looking at Marty McFly. And first of all, he's got a skateboard, the red puffy vest. He's <laughs> skateboarding through traffic, trying to get to high school. I said, this is the coolest kid in the eighties, Marty McFly. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure which one came out first, but I would think that at least the Simpsons maybe like borrowed a little bit of like Bart Simpson. I mean, not the attitude or anything, but like, you know, a little bit of the aesthetic or something, a little of the like cool, like kids skateboarding down the, down the road from here or something. Yeah, good call. Actually. I'm not a, I'm not a Simpsons enthusiast, but I have seen the intro and there is, (laughs) there is some influence there. Yeah. This movie came out in 1985, a year after the Terminator. Uh, And as I'm watching this, it's, it's not a movie that's very heavily, uh, effects based it's more yeah, you watch it for the story right so i was i was really thoroughly Im- impressed by the way the they were able to kind of make a more complex time travel movie than than you're typically used to with a little more depth but you don't get lost in in the concept of the time travel in this movie yeah it's really great we touched on it in an earlier episode about how i didn't really i'm not a huge fan of the people who tear apart time travel and try to poke mm-hmm. holes on it and everything like that and while there's I, i'm not going to say there's zero that you could say about this because there's always something that somebody can say or a theory somebody can come up with mm-hmm. like while looking at that kind of thing i don't see much um there's only one or two like little things that, that anybody has to say about this because it's pretty tight. Like it's pretty, uh, it doesn't go all over the place. It's just, it's, it's really straightforward. Yeah. Is it a little silly in concept? Yeah. But, uh, but it's time travel. It has to be. So, right. If it's not silly, it's not entertaining. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, like you said in, in the Terminator episode, speaking of time travel is that sometimes you can over explain things. Sometimes you can under explain things, but this movie does a very good job and it's important because time travel is a big part of this movie. It doesn't over uh, explain anything and make it too crazy of a concept to understand. Uh, I think that's another, sorry. I think that's another thing that I really like about this movie. There's no huge exposition dumps like anywhere in here Mm. at all. It's pretty cool that they're able to come across the way that they do and say what they want to say without having those big dumps in there. And it's it's almost like this works really well on any level. If you're like three years old watching it or, or 90, like it still <laughs> works. It's got the same level of enjoyment. I agree. There is there is that exposition in it, but it's so heavily masked by Christopher Lloyd's portrayal of Doc Brown and his mm-hmm. 
his frantic it takes the your eyes off the fact that it is an exposition dump and moves it to the fact that this character is, is crazy he's such a screen presence he's uh-huh. the most entertaining thing in this movie and uh I, I love it yeah i definitely have to agree with you on that and i know we'll touch on that in a little bit mm-hmm. but god he's amazing in this movie <laughs> when was the first time you like ever saw this movie so i'm born in 83 so pretty early 80s uh so okay. i grew up with this this was just around um there's not a time i can think of that i that this movie just wasn't kind of around probably on tv or something i know we had hbo growing up so uh even if this wasn't you know on regular cable or something for a few years after that i'm pretty sure i saw it pretty early on after it it came to television so yeah it's we were talking off camera about like how this is a movie i've seen in pieces Mm-hmm. through other youtube videos and to finally sit down and watch it a lot of people are going to be messaging me like i can't believe you finally watched this <laughs> it is uh, it's like jurassic park when i first watched that it's one of those movies where people say oh my god i can't believe you've seen that you haven't seen that and i i can i can understand now why and it's the biggest case of i should have watched that soon. <laughs> Yeah, so, it's it's definitely one of those movies that it would warrant a big surprise whenever you tell somebody that you haven't seen it. And then especially you tell somebody that you enjoy watching movies or you watch movies on the regular and you haven't seen it. <laughs> I sound like a phony. <laughs> no, not at all. But <laughs> The first name I saw when I was watching this movie is Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. And he we, we give him a lot of praise. He always seems to have his hands in these really awesome franchises. And I mean, he's a, a pretty big like buddy buddy with Robert Zemeckis. And I'll never forget watching, I think it was Ready Player One, mm-hmm. where they had a, the Zemeckis cube in it. And I thought, oh, what a cool like callback <laughs> because I I knew about Back to the Future. I knew Robert Zemeckis. I knew what like his filmography entailed. So to see that, the, the little Easter, ref, Easter egg references and, and know that Steven Spielberg is attached to this movie in, in some little way was was pretty cool. Yeah, and there's actually a few things that uh, Spielberg had to do with it as well. He really helped with the title. Um, I don't know if you read that note anywhere online, nope. but um, but this uh, the script was titled Back to the Future. The head of the studio, who was a guy named Sidney Scheinberg, I, he was yeah. the head of uh, MCA Universal at the time. And okay. his, like, his notes on it were, the name has to change. Change the name of this movie to the spaceman from pluto that was his title that it needed to be yeah dead serious the spaceman from pluto change it to that and luckily uh since zumeckis and gail were you know friends with spielberg and everything they got him to write back in the studio note hey thanks for your input but we're gonna leave it at this sign spielberg and then he sent it back and he was like okay so he didn't argue but yeah if, if they didn't have spielberg on their side they probably would have lost that argument you got to have quite the pair on you to argue with Spielberg and yeah. <laughs> back to the future is such a, a great title because it's, I don't know what the term for that is where you're going back, but the future and it really makes you think, and it, you know, it's a time travel movie. This film was shot down 44 times. <laughs> uh, and, and that's, that's nuts considering it, what it's become and the household name that it is, you know? So it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, pretty intense. Yeah, and I love those stories. I love hearing that uh, these iconic movies or or even just any movie that got made was shot down by a number of different studios or whatever. I always like hearing that, thinking about the different possibilities that could have been if it went with a different studio, if it went with a different director, actor, all that kind of thing. But, um, yeah. but yeah, it's very interesting. This was not uh, – it wasn't looking good to be made at first at least. It, it's, it's really cool to think that a movie like this that got shot down so many times – 
and it's a, a lesson for our listeners. If you're ever discouraged and you get shot down 44 times, there's never, you know, the 45th time is, is the charm. So they say, well, I mean, that's true. If you think about it, that's kind of what separates us from, from the people out there doing it. Uh, yeah, we've got day jobs and we can't, uh, leave and go live in Hollywood or whatever these people were doing in the eighties. But um, the difference is sometimes they just, they just push through. They just don't give up. They're just going to do it. Like, look, I'm going to be a screenwriter. I'm going to write this thing and I'm going to get it shopped. I don't care if it takes 10 years. I'm going to take it to every studio and they're going to tell me no. And then I'm going to take it back next week. Uh, That that is kind of the difference. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. And I, I always wonder in situations like this, if this film hadn't been made in 85, does it even get made at all um, with I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah, it's really hard to say because it's such an 80s movie. It just encapsulates the 80s so well and so much. I can't imagine it being made in a different decade at all. So Robert Zemeckis is the guy behind this. And I was watching this um, knowing that Spielberg was kind of involved in what we talked about in Jurassic Park. And I I don't I was trying to think, like, could I see this movie being directed by Steven Spielberg at all? Uh, So I thought I'd ask you that. Oh yeah, I could totally see uh, Spielberg directing this, but I think that it would be a different movie. Not necessarily that it wouldn't work, but I don't, it's hard to verbalize what I think would be different about it, but I I definitely see some differences there. The -hmm. rights to the film and its sequels are owned by Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale. In a 2015 interview, Zemeckis maintained that no reboot or remake of the film would be authorized during his or Gale's lifetime it's awesome. Like that's, that's really, really cool in a time where you could make so much money off of this thing, writing a part four or a reboot right now, they could do really well with it. Mm-hmm. Everybody's just begging for that kind of thing to be rebooted right now. Everybody wants to see that kind of thing be rebooted the stuff from our generation's childhood or whatever. Um, so for them to like really stick to their guns and say, no, you're not doing anything with this property while I'm alive. End of story. That's really cool. I give mad respect to that because even films like Jurassic Park still get beat to a pulp these days. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't mean in a bad way because the new Jurassic World are actually getting pretty decent reviews on, on Rotten Tomatoes. We'll, we'll circle back to that when it's actually out and we've seen it. Michael J. Fox, Marty McFly, uh, obviously a cool kid. We talked about his inspiration in pop culture and everyday life in, in the 80s. You can't know movie history without noting, knowing the name Marty McFly. It's it's super it's like the number one name. I remember being a kid and and somebody needed my attention. I think it was my father. He would say, hello, McFly. (laughs) Never understood that. Never got it. Yeah, I guess so. I guess you growing up and never seeing this and somebody quoting lines from it to you and you not having anything to attribute it to must have been really confusing. Um, (laughs) Totally. uh, When you hear hello mcfly or great scott or something like that yep, there it is there's actually quite a few and i, I jot, jotted them down mostly in the quoted section that we'll get to at the awards section i like to note like a little little bit of things that are unsettling about some movies and i notice there's not an eerie feeling in this movie because it's very a very light-hearted movie it's it's not serious but there's a fish out of water feeling and to be a 15 year old kid trapped 30 years prior there's got to be something creepy about that that doesn't doesn't sit well with me. Yeah, it's it's a really weird uh, thing to ponder and think think about. Uh, yeah, I think that it's kind of portrayed a little bit in the movie. Of course, like you said, it's very lighthearted and we mm-hmm. don't get anything expanded upon or anything like that. But but yeah, it's very unsettling to think that you'd go back 
30 years in time and, and be completely out of place and not understand culture, what's going on around you, uh, only what you've seen in, from you know, various yeah. media or whatever. They could go down to if you step on this leaf, it'll affect the current timeline. <laughs> they could go that deep. Uh, but the fact so that we're doing the sound of thunder, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they 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 have the picture. He kind of uses it as a a map or a a time frame, if you will, as to how much time he has to get his parents back together. Mm-hmm. Uh, that plot, and then the the plot of getting back to school, and it really makes for an interesting. It was like a really interesting, really fast paced. Honestly, one of the shortest two hour movies I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it goes by super quick, and it's a. It's a very tight script. There's not mm. a lot of room to uh, it, it has room to breathe. I don't mean to say it like that. It's not it's not so tight that it fall, caves in on itself or anything like yeah. that. But it but it, it does. It hits all of the points that it wants to hit. There's really like all killer, no filler. <laughs> just just <laughs> yeah. <keep going. laughs> yeah, for real. Uh, I liked it. And if you're ever if it, I noticed when I was watching it, if at any point I thought I was getting bored, Doc Brown would show up on screen and immediately I'm sucked back into the movie. I, I absolutely had a, the absolute blast, an absolute blast watching him on screen. Yeah. And that's the really good thing about it. Of course, he is such a huge presence in this movie and anytime mm-hmm. he's on screen and, and really with anything, he's a great actor, but he's just a lot of fun to look at and listen to. But uh, the whole movie is kind of that way. Every time that it slows down for just a second, another character comes in, somebody comes in with some outlandish thing or you're hit and it gets kind of tense with Biff for a second or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it never really slows down to a point where you have that classic uh, moment that we talk about where you want to pick up your phone and see yep. if you got an email or check your text messages or whatever. I've got maybe one or two for a second. And then I'm again, we'll get to all of that whenever sure. we get further in our discussion, but, but it is a, a very tight, fast moving uh, screenplay mm-hmm. and it's edited really well. So yeah, it it just flows really nicely. It had an interesting kind of way about it in that the first little bit of movie before the time travel, you're kind of paying close attention to the locations. You're paying close attention to what the characters say, who the characters are, who's on the posters, because in a way those, those characters come back and it's almost like an early form of a Marvel Easter egg, if you will. I don't know any other way to say that, but you look for these characters later on. And when, when the guy in the restaurant who's waiting tables is the future mayor, you're kind of like, wow, that's, that's awesome. They, they close that loophole and all loopholes throughout this movie that they close on their own very, very efficiently. Yeah. And they pay everything off and there's really not anything written in here that there's no fat to cut or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Even the, uh, is it Nixon? Is it Nixon? I'm thinking of the Nixon stuff pays off. Uh, oh, I think it was Reagan. He said, oh, okay, Reagan. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> get, get my uh, U S presidents confused there, but um, <laughs> of course the Canadian would point that out. But <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I, I, I'm not well versed on presidential history. Sorry, but yes. Yeah. All of that uh, comes back around. And, and then mm. of course, uh, since you haven't seen this movie up until now, yeah. I would assume you haven't seen either of the sequels. Um, that is correct. But a lot of that uh, pays off later on in the sequels as well. And it's it's really cool to see it come back up the way that it does. Um, and I won't talk about any of that or ruin any of that for you. But just know that whenever you watch part two, a lot of that same stuff will come up and it pays off again in another way that's really fun. Cool. OK, I look forward to that. I, I, I really do enjoy 
stuff in the background that makes me pay attention a little bit more. It was like that when I watched Groundhog Day. Mm-hmm. It's like that when I watch any Marvel property anymore. So uh, I was really, really impressed that they were able. And I honestly, I, I wasn't really expecting that that caliber of attention to detail that you would mm-hmm. that you would get out of some movies, but not others, especially when it comes to time travel. Yeah, it's definitely not something you're expecting from from a movie like this. As we kind of talked about, it's it's not really geared towards any certain age or anything like that. So it would be easy for stuff to be geared to, towards a young adult, teenage, uh, an adult audience and have stuff go over kids' heads and stuff. But they don't really have a lot of that. Like it really just all kind of flows nicely and it fits for anybody who wants to watch it. So I think that's yep. what makes it really enjoyable in such a classic movie. It was good, clean, family fun. Uh, is there mm-hmm. a little bit of language in there? Yeah, but it's it's in the same vein as the Jurassic Park family fun, where there are adult themes a little bit, but kids can watch it and enjoy it too. So, yeah, it's definitely not Porky. So that's the that's the good <laughs> yeah, thing about it. True. Um, I think one thing that kind of has to be said that I've got to shoehorn in here, and right. no, it's not Full House yet. Um, oh man, <laughs> maybe that was my Full House Easter egg. Like almost an entire third of this movie was shot with a different actor playing Marty McFly before uh, they were able to get Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox was the original, sorry, actor that they had chosen for this role. He was filming Family Ties, I think it is. I don't know. Uh, now my, I know my he was in one of them. Screwed up. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, was it Spin City he was in in the 90s? <laughs> yes, I remember that. Um, yeah. But I, I I don't know. It may have, may have been Family Ties or something. Okay. I'm not uh, well-versed in my TV. No, we're not TV guys. Sitcom this either, real but, good. Um, <laughs> yeah, not real good TV. This is real good movies. It's not real good TV yet until we get to Full House. But uh, oh. it was an actor named Eric Stoltz who you would probably know from a bunch of different things. He was in that movie Mask with Cher and the kid with the – face and everything and um he was in pulp fiction but he was also some kind of wonderful i think he was the lead in that but they did a whole third of the of this movie with him and if you go back and look at youtube and stuff like that a lot of this footage is out there it was released on as as extras on some of the dvds like an anniversary edition of the dvd or something and it's just a completely completely different movie and a different feel with him in that role yeah there's something about michael j fox and his 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 mannerisms, his personality, even down to his voice, really make the the character of Marty McFly. And I've seen a little bit of Rick and Morty, obviously mm-hmm. very heavily influenced by Back to the Future. So yeah. I kind of had that caricature stuck in the back of my mind mm-hmm. that Marty McFly, he's he's this, you know, kind of naive, new to the whole time travel thing kid. And it was really cool to, to be able to see somebody who has never been to the past before in the past and play it off as well as Michael J. Fox did. So this is really, I think this might be like the, the best Michael J. Fox movie, like the, the top of his career. Would you say? Yeah, I would agree. There's not too much I can think of that. Look, I know Michael J. Fox did things, uh, but not too much comes to mind other than this and teen wolf. Uh, so yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, I, I would think that this is his most iconic role for for anybody. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely loved this movie and the way he when he went back in time and he's in the fifties. He's inventing things like Darth Vader and Vulcan. <laughs> he's introducing these terms to people. These people have no idea. Was, Star Wars was what seventy seven, I think. Yep, seventy seven. Star Wars comes out. Inventing Darth Vader and Vulcan, which is a Star Trek term, I know. <laughs> so, uh, skateboarding. And how he he uh, kind of 
helps Chuck Berry invent the music at the end of the movie. Yeah, I I love all that. It's really fun. They don't again, they don't overdo it, but they they throw in a couple of things that that now you have to think. Okay, well, did the stuff only come about now because uh, Marty McFly went back in the past and, and created them? I don't know. Really, really cool. Yeah, it, it added a, another layer to this movie, and I just I, I couldn't look past it how awesome it was and well constructed. Because if you go too crazy, like I said, you you can lose the audience, and uh, they, this movie did a very good job to not do that. Uh, I could pick a, a part time travel. And the aspect of time travel in movies to have a car that just goes back in time is simple, right? You just have the DeLorean. That's it. Yeah. It's really nice. It's not overly done. Like, of course, if you wanted to, you could sit there and, and ask how the flux capacitor operates and why plutonium uh, fuels it and all of this, but it really doesn't matter. Sure. Originally in the, I guess one of the early drafts of the script, it was supposed to be a refrigerator instead of a DeLorean, instead of a car. And for whatever reason that was scrapped, thank God, because that would have been really weird and kind of jarring. In <laughs> Absolutely. A movie for, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure with the cast they had, they would have made it work, but oh yeah, uh, the DeLorean is such a, huge uh piece of cinema history now and, and movie memorabilia and all that um so it's really important to this movie and i'm glad that they ended on up with that instead of yep. a refrigerator but yeah it, it could have been something completely different john delorean himself thanked the writers for immortalizing his car he said oh, I'm sure. and like you said <laughs> yeah it's it, the delorean itself is a huge piece of cinema history it shows up. It showed up in Ready Player One. It, it shows up in in movies here and there as references. Um, so really, really cool to finally be able to immerse myself in that and say, "Hey, I get it. I know what's going on. I'm finally with it." And uh, yeah, I'm glad we we got around to this movie. Oh yeah, I'm I'm super happy that you've seen it. And now that you have seen it, I do have a question that I want to ask you. Okay. I would like to know if you were put in this same situation, let's say it's a uh, baby Jer and you got to, or, or, or sorry, teenage. We'll, we'll go with teenage. Yeah. We'll, we'll teenage. Yeah. Sure. We'll keep it, yeah. Yeah. We'll keep it a little, um, because that wouldn't work for what I'm about to say anyway. So, <laughs> um, so you've, you've got to go back in time and you've got to go make sure all of this happens. The, 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 the same, the same, same thing that's going on here in this movie, Okay, but you end up, in the same situation, and now your mom's got a crush on you. What are you going to do Man. <laughs> to ruin that crush for your mom or to to make sure that it goes the other way and she gets with your dad instead? I really hope I wouldn't have to resort to what Marty McFly did. <laughs> <laughs> to yeah. be honest, I don't I don't think I ever had a Biff Tannen in my life. Sure. To 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 do that, but I would just wow. That's tough. That this is a very <laughs> moral heavy question. And I liked that this movie kind of went into that moral heavy stuff where like, what would you do if this happened? Because no one knows time travel. Who's to say that won't happen. But I would go just about as far as I had to, to make sure that my mom didn't have a crush on me. <laughs> I was watching that and it's, it was, it was this weird kind of uh, embarrassment I felt for not only him, but her as well. And mm-hmm. it's cool how <laughs> they're sitting at the dinner table and he's like, Oh, do I know your mother? And he says, yes, you might <laughs> <laughs> really, really cool. Um, so to, to go back and, and maybe hang out with my parents if they were younger would be spot on, but I would be sure to avoid that at all costs. 
Yeah, sure. I, I kind of think the same thing. <laughs> I think, you know, every time I watch this movie, I have that same kind of thought. God, what would I do if I was put in this situation? And yeah. for some odd reason, my own mother had a crush on me. And I think, uh, like you said, I would do anything to avoid that from happening <laughs> from, from telling her, uh, I completely wasn't interested to, uh, you disgust me, anything, <laughs> anything. Yeah. If I had to hurt her feelings, <laughs> that's fine. But just to make sure that <laughs> I'm, I'm in the clear on that one. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. It's not something that you would expect out of, out of, like I said, lighthearted, um, um, a lighthearted story movie like this to have that mother son conflict going on in the background as part of the the story. It's something you don't see most, most, I feel like most writers would just cheap out and be like, well, this happened. So, and then they would leave the mother part out of it. So I got to give them props for, for having the guts to take that step and go with something that's like kind of a weird tub topic, weird subject to approach in a movie like back to the future. Yeah. It's, obviously very taboo it's it's uh mm-hmm. weird to even to even put that out there and it must have been weirder to even have to write on paper to 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 explain what was going on there and everything but but yeah i agree with you and again you've got to think of somebody uh writing a screenplay in the early 80s like that um the times were very different there was really weird raunchy stuff making it into into movies that that probably wouldn't be in movies now um so I guess that subplot probably wouldn't have been as weird back then, but yeah, you're okay. definitely not going to get it in one now. I don't think I wanted to talk about the box office from 85. This is the first movie that we've covered that took the number one spot at the box office that year. Mm-hmm. So I, I can, I can understand a couple other films. It beats out was Rambo part two, first blood part two, uh, Rocky four and the bond film A View to a kill. So I don't know if that I would necessarily call that a strong year for cinema. Yeah, that's kind of a weaker Bond film, uh, Rambo two, uh, and weren't we all tired of Rocky by four? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, it's uh, it's really interesting. A lot of sequels, uh, mm-hmm. seemingly was coming out, but yeah, Back to the Future uh, takes the top spot. And the last one I have before the awards was that Biff is easily the most detestable character i've ever seen on <laughs> on camera uh-huh. so props to them for creating a such a a real piece of work in biff and how they transformed him throughout the movie and it made sense everything in a way that was unanswered that needed answering got answered and uh, they did it in a really clean and efficient way yeah completely agreed they they did a great job with biff and they kept this uh screenplay nice and tight so props for that props to them <laughs> Uh, let's go to the awards. Uh, we're not going to forget this category this time. <laughs> Best scene. I would love. I would love to know what you picked because I have a. I have a pick here, and it's it's a pretty big part of the movie. But uh, I'll let you go ahead. Okay, so my best scene, my favorite scene in this movie, it's the car chase. It's a really short, like, kind of yeah. car chase with the skateboard <laughs> and everything around the town square, town center, whatever we want to call that, and uh, where uh, Biff and his crew end up crashing into the manure truck and getting covered in cow shit. Um, <laughs> that's, that's my favorite scene. It's, it's just a lot of fun. There's so much going on in such a really short amount of time. And it just ends really fun. It's a great time. Yeah. The, the action sequences in this, in this movie, they, they kind of scream the eighties 
and yeah. <laughs> it's it's really fun when it, there wasn't a lot of scenes where I I really didn't want to see any of the characters, even as detestable as Biff was. When mm-hmm. he showed up, you know, shit was going to go down, you know, something was going to happen. So they did a very good job of of building up the characters and developing the characters that we are going to we see on character on on the screen. My best scene is and it's more of the whole sequence is the entire parking lot slash time travel uh, scene where Doc is discovered by it. I had a good <laughs> laugh at this because I didn't mm-hmm. expect this from this movie at all. Yeah. Uh, the Libyans show up uh-huh. <laughs> and I don't know the history of 85, but maybe you, you know, a little bit better than I do. Were the Libyans kind of like a, I don't understand. Was there a conflict going on that I'm missing? Was there a war or something? Cause sometimes they'll root that stuff in like real conflict. I, I just, I didn't get it, but I still laughed pretty hard that they, they, <laughs> they took shots at, at them for no reason. Yeah, there's no, I don't have an answer for you. I don't know uh, anything about any conflict going on with at least, well, with anything with, <laughs> with, with Libyans. Uh, yeah, I honestly, that was my first exposure to uh, even hearing the term Libyans uh, yeah. or the word or whatever, um, you know, being younger and, and watching Back to the Future. So, so there was nothing that I was aware of. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I remember when they showed up and the, the whole scene where uh, they seemingly kill Doc and he go, gets back to the uh, back to the future. I, I was watching it and I thought I'm having fun. Yeah. I haven't had fun watching a movie. I shouldn't say in a long time because I always had fun watching Spider-Man. <laughs> but this movie was fun as a new experience. It's not very often where I get to watch a new movie I haven't seen before and say, you know, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's always great. It was like a couple of weeks ago when we did The Rock. Uh, mm. I was I didn't know what to expect. Again, I went into it completely blind. Um, this one's a little different for you. you. You know what to expect here, but you hadn't seen it. You didn't know the overall tone and what the yeah. exact uh, how it was going to play out and all of that. But but you're right. It's 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 a really good feeling to just sit down and just watch something and just roll with it and just have a good time. Like it, it feels really nice. Yeah, the comedy was a, a big part of this movie. I, I really enjoyed it. And a lot of it came from Doc. And then my runner-up scene was when he learns about uh, Gigawatts and his reaction to saying the title mm-hmm. of the movie. Mm-hmm. He's back to the future and he points directly at the camera. Do I think that was intentional? Maybe. Your thoughts? You know what's great? I've, I've got that in my notes too. Not for best or worst scene or anything like that, but just as a side note. My note is kind of, there's maybe a handful of movies that I could think of that could pull off something like that without making it just really cringy. It's, it's really hard to pull that kind of thing off in any media where you say the title or say the name of something and then in that universe that it's in and then not cringe about it. Yes. Yeah, you're right. It's it was really neat because I always watch these compilations on like TikTok and such about, uh, you know, when they say the movie in the title of the movie in the movie. And mm-hmm. I thought how meta of it to to acknowledge and be self-aware that it it knows it's saying like the the characters know you're saying the the line of the title of the movie. So was it intentional? I don't know. That's up to up for debate. But I in my mind, he pointed at that camera because he wanted us to know that that was the title of the film. Yeah, that's kind of what I get it from it, too. I, I, I think it was probably intentional. Awesome. OK, good. I'm not the only one that thinks that <laughs> uh, it was structured really well this movie Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of easy scenes in this they were able to close plot holes and it left you kind of without questioning 
what was going on, including the idea for time travel to get back mm-hmm. where you think, hey, oh, how is he going to get plutonium? And they address that. Uh, they address the time clock that's broken. The two ladies in the courtyard saying, you know, fix the, the clock, fix the clock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you, you come to realize, hey, it's been 30 years since this clock has been been out of commission. So it, it was really, really cool. Uh, how we talked about in The Rock, how there was a ton of Chekhov's guns. There's a bunch of foreshadowed little hints in the movie that that don't get picked up later on in the movie. But here, it's a bunch of like breadcrumb and you circle back to get those breadcrumbs when you're on your way back to 1985. So I was really, really impressed. Yeah, they do that really well in this movie. That's kind of the whole thing is that they drop these little things and then and then they pick them up later and then expand on them. And then, like you said before, close that loop up and it's just it's nicely done. You don't have all these lingering questions whenever you walk out of a theater or yeah. get up from your couch or whatever. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's done so nicely in that regard. Yeah, it's it's always a plus when I can watch a movie and then leave the theater or leave the the movie and I don't have unanswered questions. It doesn't happen often, so uh, we're gonna give him props to that. I would love to know your worst scene because having only seen this movie one time. I was enthralled the whole time. Mm-hmm. I did not look away. I did not look at my phone. Uh, and you you mentioned uh, a little bit that there may be scenes for you where you, you have that break. So it's hard to find one. This movie is really good. So I'm not going to come down on it and say that it has like really moments like that. But I won't lie to you. I get bored every single time we go into the long scene at the dance where Marty's on stage with the band and he's playing the guitar. And that comes from somebody who is a musician myself. (laughs) I just get bored with it. I just, I've already see what I need to see in the 30 seconds of that. And I don't need it to be a five minute scene for any reason. Um, I think it is cool how we have the leader of the band go around and call on the phone and say, here's the new sound you were looking for and everything (laughs) and what that, that foreshadows and everything. Of course, that's cool, but I still think that that could have been part of a 30, 45 second scene and then wrapped up. um, And then that's the only real fat that I could see getting cut away in this movie. The scene at the very beginning uh, when he was on that giant amplifier and the Mm -hmm. sound in that that part of the show, that movie, I, I wasn't a huge fan. I'm not really sure the relevance of that giant amplifier in the room i would i say cut it out i don't know because it's so small and not very significant <laughs> to the movie that i can do without it but uh if i had to pick a, a second scene yeah you're, there was something about that that dance scene where it just went on a little bit longer than maybe it should have yeah and i could see the reasoning for what you're saying in the beginning of the movie i could see why it's there it does kind of set up doc's over the top um experiments or uh things that he's making and then it also shows that marty's into playing guitar so it it does a little bit for building i guess um is it like the most important thing and could we get those things without that sure but yeah i could see why a small segment like that would be in there versus this long uh, what what to me feels like a five minute scene i'm not sure it is maybe it was only a couple we'll have to check the time on that but (laughs) yeah you're right It, it does feel a little what was the relation between marty and doc was he his uncle i don't think it's ever explained what he is he does tell his mom uh that he's his uncle i think that they're just kind of friends i think he just met him and maybe did some work for him helping him clean up his lab or something i don't know if it's ever really explained in the movie would you watch a prequel where they kind of go into the backstory there or is that maybe something better left unsaid 
Oh, I'd absolutely watch one. I think it would be a lot of fun, of course, because then you could kind of do the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids thing and have all of Doc's crazy uh, experiments and stuff all around and what kind of hijinks they could get in with those because obviously he has a lot and that's what they do. Okay. Yeah, I would love to see Honey, I Shrunk the Kids as a spinoff of Back to the Future. (laughs) Just just experiments gone right, left, right, Mm -hmm. and center. Uh, Favorite character slash actor. One of my favorites that made me laugh was Marty McFly's dad, George McFly. The the scene where they're originally pre-time travel and he's watching the TV and his laugh, it mm-hmm. just got me. Would I say he's my favorite character? No, but he's certainly memorable. Uh, I can see how they use that kind of character in future in, in future movies as, as kind of an, an archetype. Yeah, he's very memorable. He's... He's a lot of fun to see every time he's on screen. I really like him a lot. And I actually do have that that scene that you're talking about in my notes too for something different. It was just a little side note that I made, but but I did like the world building that they did with that and the implications that that that, that scene has in it. And it, it makes me think like a really realistic thing. You have these two adults who fell in love, got married, had a had three kids or whatever, and, and are just living their lives, going through their day-to-day emotions and everything. Mm-hmm. But think about you're, you're, you're sitting there, you're reminiscing why you're in love with this person or whatever, and you're recanting like this story or telling your kids or whatever, this, this <laughs> moment where you fell in love with them. And then they start laughing like that. And, and it's just like, how many things like that happen in real life w- without us knowing? <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, that's you do true. something, you say something weird. Your spouse is like, Oh God, I can't believe I married this person. <laughs> <laughs> probably probably my producer on a daily basis well, fair enough. <laughs> so did you have a favorite character I, i'm really curious to see who you picked biff tannen man i hate to do this because every single time we've had an episode where this is episode 11 now mm-hmm. um and i think every single time i've tried to point out like a secondary character a character without lines um something smaller every time i try my best to to bring those to the forefront because it would just be easy to sit here every time and say that the main character or the top build is my sure. favorite character or whatever, but there's no way not to pick Christopher Lloyd. Like he's just, <laughs> I, I can't like, he really makes this movie for me. If you did not have doc Brown in this movie, if there was a straight scientist, if there was somebody else playing doc Brown, if any other combination of anything else happening other than Christopher Lloyd as doc Brown, I don't think this movie works at all. He does have that, that frantic older gentleman, uh, mad scientist look to it. And mm-hmm. before this movie, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. There's no real time travel or mad scientist figure like that, unless you're looking at maybe Frankenstein or or something. To have a movie as big as Back to the Future and a character as eccentric as that, I absolutely loved it. And he was a staple of this movie. And and I'm I'm really glad that he has this impact in in pop culture references that he still exists and it's really cool to watch all these years later yeah and you're right you have to go back to the b movies of the 1950s and stuff like that that's kind of obviously what he bases his character on but he doesn't play it straight like that he interjects a lot of humor and a lot of personality into that role as well he does the mad scientist thing of course he's riffing off of uh frankenstein dr frankenstein and and all of that but Mm -hmm. um but he brings that to a whole nother level that's something completely different that's his own um, and his comedic chops in it or in, in his comedic timing and everything is just out it of was, this world. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really entertaining. I The rewatchability factor is is up there because of him and, and the amount of mm-hmm. times he's on screen before this. Like, can you think of a, a bigger time travel movie than Back to the Future before Back to the Future? 
I, I, I was I was trying to think of something. I'm like, ah, I'll just ask him, see what he comes up with. But I, I really, I can't. Yeah, it's hard for me too. And I touched on uh, those B horror and sci-fi movies from the 50s a minute sure. ago. So I'm sure there's some in there. Uh, of course, we have uh, the Time Machine, H.G. Wells' Time Machine, yes, the okay. adaptation of that. So I think that predates this by a little, quite a little bit. So so maybe there's that. And I'm sure there's there's tons of other things that I'm not thinking of off the top of my head. But um, yeah. but this is kind of what this if you take time machine out of the equation this really makes like the modern time travel movie for for everybody this is what everybody references and this is what everybody thinks of first and and, and is at the top of their list and stuff like that the simplicity is the blue the blueprint for time travel movies recasting roles if you had to recast anybody, who would you pick? You're, you're particularly good at this, at calling out recasting. You, you have a better Rolodex, I guess, of actors and a better <laughs> knack for picking. So I'm just going to say what I thought. Okay. As I'm watching Marty McFly, I thought, who could play Marty McFly if they remade this in 2022? Mm-hmm. And my first thought, because of that that frantic energy, that kind of nervous kid stuck in a, ran a place he doesn't know, who else but Tom Holland? So <laughs> that that's my not only real recast. I don't know if I could see anybody else playing Doc uh, as well as Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, it's a hard question. I actually only made a couple of notes, uh, very few, and they are... I. I tried to keep them time period appropriate. So, uh, so I didn't do it in, in 2022. I did it back when it came out, but I think that maybe John Cusack's take on Marty McFly could at least be interesting. He doesn't have that exact same boyish energy that uh, Michael J. Fox does all the time. But I do think that it's something that is definitely within his skill set, And I think that he could do the role some justice I'm not saying that I think he would be better than Michael J. Fox, but I think that he could do something with it. Is there a film of John Cusack's that you would pick his performance out of that particular movie and say, hey, that that's why he would make a good pick? Anything off the top of my head. Uh, I mean, we have Say Anything. We have High Fidelity. Even even something as like more recent and campy as like America's Sweethearts or something like that. But John Cusack is is a little more nuanced in most of his performance than what you see in Michael J. Fox or what I've seen in Michael J. Fox. So I'm not sure just because he's a, a little bit. Uh, of course, he's a comedic actor, but he's more of a dramatic actor, I think. So I think so, too. So, no, I don't have anything to specifically pick out, but I, I do think that he could handle the part. Do you have any other picks for the uh recasting so my only other pick would be nick cage as biff <laughs> i think that could be cool <laughs> that answers two questions at once yeah uh, he's not as much cool. as a meathead but i think he could play the part <laughs> i could see him playing either side of that coin biff or george mcfly really yeah oh yeah um because you think in 85 nicholas cage he would have been relatively young yeah <laughs> it would be interesting to see there we go there there we uh we fit nick cage in uh does this film have spinoffs if it's made in 2022 or <laughs> sequels i don't know yeah well we kind of talked about one we, uh, a minute ago we talked about that prequel kind of thing um mm. with doc brown which is so super interesting because that's what i have written down for my notes and it's not a prequel 
uh, you thought a, a, a different way than I was going, but just the further adventures of, of Doc Brown, not related to time travel, just what he does with his experiments and his ideas and stuff like that. Just to watch a show with him as as the character or, or a movie or something with him with all of his crazy inventions, uh, I, I think would be very, very entertaining. Very cool. We'll get at them and, and get on that because I would I would watch the <laughs> hell out of that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm the, the biggest Doc Brown fan after watching this movie for the first time. So Most quotable line. Quite a few. We talked about the quotes and references where we're going. We don't need roads. Mm-hmm. Uh, great Scott. Mm-hmm. I'm curious which one sticks with you or not which one sticks with you, but which one makes its way into your everyday life more than any other quote in this movie? Well, uh, they kind of look, I have three. Um, okay. that I pulled out two of them. You already said, okay. so Oops. <laughs> uh, no, you're fine. Um, the other one is I kind of tried to research it, but there's not a great way to answer that by typing something in online. So it's a little confusing. I did want to know when the first time somebody on screen or written or whatever said, why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? I love that quote. <laughs> I'm not saying that it originated here because it probably didn't. Um, it's probably from somewhere else, but I do love that a lot. And I would love to know the origin story of that phrase. So if any uh, listeners out there know, please uh, shoot us a, I don't know, an Instagram. I- message or something i will be blown away if someone can tell us the origin of that there's got to be someone <laughs> because I've, I've i've heard that in real life like someone mm-hmm, has mm-hmm. has said that to me and I, I don't think twice about it but hearing it it's this movie is just line after line after line of great quotes when he points at the the tv and says oh i, I remember this that's i've seen this one before very very uh, iconic i thought wow I've, either i've seen that scene before or it's just one of those quotes that I hear all the time. So really, really cool. Very quotable. Mine was when he says, Doc says, when this baby hits 88, you're going to see some serious shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> Another great line. And uh, of course, he says, hello, McFly. Uh, it was a great, great quotes throughout this movie. Very iconic. Yeah, I, I can definitely hear you on that. And I think just just knowing that something like Rhodes, where we're going, we don't need Rhodes is in here. That's such a big line. Everybody knows that line. Everybody knows where that line is. Everybody says great Scott. You probably have people walking around who have never even seen this movie that say great Scott. Like it's just embedded in the zeitgeist of pop culture. So yeah, that you're right. If there was an index of pop culture references from any of the movies, um, great Scott is up there having, I'm a big fan of the office. So Mm -hmm. he says it in there and it's, it's really, really cool. The references and to be able to match it. I've said this a million times. I'm, I'm just really glad I've seen this movie now that I can, I can take part in these references because Mm -hmm. i'm a firm believer that if you haven't seen the movie but you're referencing the movie kind of a hack so that was me for the longest time (laughs) (laughs) what piece of movie memorabilia would you keep from this film i chose to leave out the the delorean altogether because it's almost too easy of a pick like you said it's one of the the props or the elements of a movie in, in all of history of cinema so instead of that i just said what if i could get the out of time license plate (laughs) <laughs> just the plate too. i love that yeah so when the car goes back in time and the license plate is comically spinning out of something out of a cartoon uh it just says out of time i think i would absolutely love that and again it's one of those niche references where either you get it or you don't yep 
<laughs> everybody's seen it um it's it's on things uh there's still t-shirts for sale with that license plate on it you can get a front license plate for your car with that on it and everything but i don't think that every single person who comes across that knows what it's from that's correct yeah it's one of those things you see in passing and mm-hmm. if i saw that before this movie there's no way yeah you'd oh, have yeah. no clue <laughs> that's my prop gotcha well i did a list um i tried to uh, overcompensate for the fact that i forget this question every time this for the first nine episodes Um, yes exactly (laughs) so i don't have to go through each one it was hard to pick one but i do have i love that first like in that first opening shot much like the opening to knives out where we have the collection of stuff and we show the room and we're panning across all the stuff i really like those kinds of openings in movies i pointed it out knives out and i'm pointing it out here that i really like those kinds of things so whatever studio is listening to this podcast right now (laughs) put more of that shit in your movies and i will gladly watch but (laughs) (laughs) but uh there's a uh, clock tower clock in the opening. I don't know if you caught that or not in your one viewing, but uh, the clock tower clock is really cool. It's a lot of fun. I, I like that. I really like the giant speaker. I think it's super weird and I don't know what the hell I would do with it, but I like the <laughs> giant speaker amp. Of course, we talked about the DeLorean and you just talked about the license plate, so I can cross those two off the list. The flux capacitor is actually something that you can get like models and stuff like that of. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really cool. So it would be cool to, to maybe have that original prop from the movie. And then I'm going to go with this as my number one. So whenever Marty first crashes into the barn and there's that family and the dad with the shotgun and the kid with the comic book that is Tales from Space is the name of the comic. And then it has like the little spaceship that resembles the DeLorean somewhat and the spaceman on the front. I'm going to go with that. I want to read that comic. It looks like an old fun uh, EC horror comic from the 50s. So I'm taking that. If there was any prop ever in the history of this show uh, from any movie, I think that's that's geared and tailored to you. That's the 100%. one. <laughs> cool. Great choice. It suits you. The last and most important question is what do we rank this film out of 10 and why? But f- before we get to that, I wanted to see where this movie ranks on your list of time travel movies, because I think that's part of discovering what makes this movie great is realizing that, hey, this is a time travel movie. And most people like time travel. It's one of my favorite. I guess you could say genres of movie or types of movie story element wise, whatever you want to call it. It's one of my favorites. So how does this rank in your list of time travel films? It's kind of hard because there's a lot of time travel movies. It's hard to sit here and think of each and every one of them. Of course, we talked about Terminator. That's a time travel movie. All the Back to the Future movies are time travel movies. Something like Idiocracy is a time travel movie, which I hold in very high regard. Yeah, um, You have uh, Looper which is a time travel movie. Mm-hmm. If you really wanted to get into it, things like Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, the Star Trek <laughs> time yeah, travel that, movie, Bill and Ted time okay. travel movie. I'm going to go with my number one time travel movie of all time is not this because it's Planet of the Apes because that's one of my favorite movies of all time. Okay. It may not be like the most important subplot of that movie, but obviously you don't get anywhere without the time travel there. Um, sure. We have, I'm going to go with this is number two on the list for me with maybe uh, number three being Groundhog Day. And then there's no need for me to go any further down the list because that's just a rabbit hole. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely, true. definitely number two. Okay. Yeah, it does. It does definitely rank in, in my top three. Uh, I have to say Avengers Endgame is also uh-huh. in that list of top three and uh, the Terminator. Uh, I put one and two in the same, I guess. They're, if I just say the Terminator, uh, I just mean like both of them. So it's it's really one of the most referenced time travel movies. And I think a 
lot of people would agree with it that it's in their top three if not their top five at the very least because uh, while it's a very fine list there are some really well-made movies in the list of time travel so with that being said where does this movie sit for you at a 10 this is a hard one this one's actually really really hard jurassic park was easy i already knew going into jurassic park that i was gonna sit down and i was i, I told myself because i watched it three times that week i said look this is a this movie is a 10 for me jurassic park is a 10 so mm. i need to sit down and convince myself in these in these viewings that i'm going to do up until the recording of this podcast why this isn't a 10 i need to figure out where i can take away points where i can deduct some things where i can say that this actually didn't work for me that maybe i only like this for nostalgic purposes or whatever this one was was really hard because again i'm sitting down and i'm saying holy shit here is a 10 so let me sit down and, and figure out where i can deduct these points from so i can kind of like go over my process here so i sit down i watch this movie i'm waiting for for that moment that we talked about that we touched on earlier where I want to pick up my phone. It doesn't happen. I've got that that brief second that I am taken out of the movie or maybe not taken out. Taken out's not the right word. I, I think maybe that's a little too critical, but that I feel like something could be cut away a little bit from, from that dancing like we spoke about a moment ago. That's really the only time this happens for me. But then I'm sitting here with these characters and I love these characters. I love this town. I love uh, the costume design. I love the production. I love the way this is edited. And then we didn't even talk about the score the score to this thing is fucking amazing this is a really good score that i think is very underappreciated uh if you go back and just listen to that score a little bit you'll really be uh, amazed by it like how it just kind of sticks in your head and how it's so Mm -hmm. wonderful and, and, and and so well done but the parts of this movie all fit together so well like a little oiled machine it, it's so hard to take anything away from that every time i sit down and try to give a movie a rating from one to ten i haven't said this in a while so i'll throw it out there now i always take the movie for what it is and i say if i can sit down and it was a movie and mm-hmm. it executed what it was supposed to execute then it's a five if it went beyond those expectations for me then it's a six and on if it went mm-hmm. below those expectations for me then it's a four and below so this movie really in every sense of the words just blew me away even watching it for the 50th or 60th or whatever time i have to give it a 10 i i I can get it i can get the 10 because you said it right there the 50th time Mm -hmm. rewatchability is a huge thing Yes. When you're rating movies out of 10. And I think we might have to modify this question a little bit to do like one thumb up, one thumb down, two <laughs> thumbs up, two thumbs down, because mm-hmm. to rate a movie out of 10 is is great. And I have to sometimes rate these movies out of 10, having only seen them one time. Mm-hmm. And like I said prior, the time travel aspect of movies is one of my favorites. It's one of the most entertaining to me. I, I love watching the time travel and the kind of complexity that comes with it and the questions it, it raises. So with it being on the top of my time travel movie, movies it sits at an 8.5 movies in the 9 to 10 have that nostalgia factor for me and they mm-hmm. have a certain rewatchability that's not to say i won't ever rewatch this movie because sure. i'm sure every time it's on tv i'm going to start watching it and anytime someone says i haven't seen back to the future i'll be that guy now i can be <laughs> that guy and i'm so excited this is even more so than destination a uh, final destination i am more excited that i have seen this movie and i get to ch- cross it off this list it's the same kind of feeling i had when i I watched Jurassic Park the first time. Did I like Jurassic Park a little bit more? Yes, but I still love Back to the Future. And uh, an 8.5 is the highest I can go. The more I watch it, 
I'm open to it going up because I feel like the less flaws in a movie and the more I rewatch it, it definitely warrants all the high praise it gets. I 100% give this movie two thumbs up and would recommend anybody who's who's just holding out. I don't even know why you're holding out to watch this movie. Just go watch it. Do you sure. have everybody has those movies where they're just, you know, they think they already know and they think that there's no point. Maybe it's too late or whatever. It's not too late. Go watch back to the future. I did want to know what you thought whenever you saw, uh, Doc Brown get gunned down in in the parking lot there. What were your thoughts? Of course, you're well-versed in movies, so you understand that important characters don't usually get killed off in the beginning of a comedy movie or whatever, but what what were your thoughts? Did you think Doc Brown was coming back? How did you think Doc Brown was coming back? Did you even think about it? Yes, it it kind of the fact that he went back to the the future. He went back (laughs) to, to 55. He found him again and kind of reconnected him, and it showed that there was like a commotion, an emotional connection there really brought some heaviness to it and the fact that this movie is unpredictable it's not the most realistic movie so for him to get gunned down in the parking lot of a mall is it's not something i saw and i thought wow good on this movie to take a chance like that even though you know he kind of comes full circle and says hey you saved my life later on i still was caught off guard i Mm -hmm. honestly did think he he was gone i did (laughs) And I thought to myself, well, there's no way he's really gone, maybe in that timeline, but it being a time travel movie, I'm sure there's some way, shape or form that they could find a way to bring him back to life. Good. Yeah. I, I, I had that uh, question when I was watching it. I said, Good wow, if this was my first time watching this. What questions would I have? Yep. It definitely <laughs> got me. It definitely <laughs> got me. So let us know if it's your first time watching Back to the Future, what you thought. <laughs> let us know. This has been another episode of Real Good Movies. I'm Jer. I'm Dan. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Hey, Doc, we better back up. We don't have enough roads to get up to 88. Roads? Well, we're going. We don't need roads.